Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room where we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number 20. We're discussing our Calgary Expo experiences and dropping a few interviews with creators Charles Soule and John Jang. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. Yo man, we navigated four days of nerddom. Wow. You know, we walked through cosplay, yep. an enormous amount of Funko Pops. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hit panels, yep. did a little shopping, and we're here to bring you those experiences. Absolutely. We also had the chance to do some really cool interviews with writer Charles Soule. So he's done books like Poe Dameron, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan and Anakin. Liking that one, both yes, of them actually. Yes, yes. Yeah. Daredevil ongoing series right now, a yeah. lot of the Inhuman stuff. Mm-hmm. He's written a ton of stuff, so we had a good chance to talk to him, ask him lots of questions about Star Wars and his Marvel stuff. And so that's really cool. So we're going to throw that as well as we had an opportunity to interview concept artist John Jang. So he's done stuff for movies like The Avengers, oh, Winter yeah. Soldier, some really iconic images. Just incredible concept, yeah. eh? And, yeah. you know, the stuff on the floor he had was just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be throwing those interviews in at the end. So that was really great. And we really appreciate the guys making the time to actually, you know, speak with us about Absolutely. comic books and talk comic books. And they're just so open to it. And so, again, we thank those Big guys. Big thanks, guys. Yeah, it was awesome. Shall we get into some news? Absolutely, always. It's, it's a pretty late week, pretty mm-hmm. late week, but we've got lots to talk about con stuff. So... One of the big things that dropped this week was the Punisher Netflix series was finally confirmed. Yes. Thoughts? Oh, I love it. I think we all knew this was coming. Yeah. But now that's confirmed, you know, it's just, it's just that much better. Well, it was one of those things. It was like, it was rumored, yeah. and then it was debunked, exactly. and then it was back on, and then mm-hmm. again, and then the, the series actually dropped, and people went bonkers oh, right. for John Bernthal as yeah. Punisher. It's really cool to see that they're looking at fandom and seeing where the favorites are and yanking them out and giving mm-hmm. them solo stories. Exactly. And it's just so good to see that Punisher is now finally getting his own series. This is where he fits the best. Right? Yeah. He's in television. Uh, the movies just doesn't work out for him. This is not enough time right, to explain his story. Yeah, he's yeah. a little more of a complex character. Yes. And you need to develop him because you can't go from like family man to, I'm going to say psychopathic vigilante, yes. I guess is the best yeah, that's word. that's the best way to put it. Over, you know, a series of an hour and a half, two hour movie, no. right? Like, it's just, you're jumping so much. So yeah. to see that progression, even in the Daredevil season two, mm-hmm. to see some of that progression through, you know, what he's dealing with, and you kind of start to understand it a bit more and develop that character a bit more. So it'd be interesting to see if they, if they pull in. Also, I notice I say, it'll be interesting to see like 40 times an episode. <laughs> so I'm going to consciously try to stop saying that because I don't think everything is interesting. <laughs> it just always seems like a nice segment to go between yeah. A and B, right? It just flows, right? <laughs> yeah, it's comfortable. Yeah. But to see if he if they pull a little more out of what he's done in the Daredevil series, because we already got his origin, so it's you know assuming it's going to be something post-Defenders. Yeah. And it would be cool to see if he's... That's my new one. It'd be cool to see. <laughs> no, it'd be good to see if you know he's actually in Defenders, as it plays a small part of it, or is right. he actually on the team, and or is he going to be kind of this like rogue vigilante kind that's in, in the, and out. yeah in the background? Yeah. He shows up for little scenes like he kind of did at the the end of Daredevil, where he just shows up, snipes a few people, right. and then, then books it, and then books it out of there. It'd be cool too if they touch a little bit on his uh, military past too. Yeah, you know that'd be kind of cool to see. Well, they could do back and forth, right? And yeah. kind of develop him that way instead of going back and trying to retell an origin that we've exactly. already seen. Exactly, I think they could stay away from that now. And uh, the Netflix series does such a good job of doing these flashbacks, you know, with Matt Murdock. Yeah, and it's, it's great what they do. So yeah, that's a good. Point. And Jessica Jones too, right? They yeah, do a pretty good job of flashing back there. And yeah. it doesn't seem to jumble up the story. No, with the storytelling, it's it seems that it fits. Like when you're going back and forth, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm at the point 
where I don't quite understand what's going on anymore. Yeah, but has your they, interest still? Yeah, too, exactly. Right? And then they take you back and say, "Well, yeah. this is why the character," and they kind of splice that, you know, throughout the story. So you're getting, you're building an origin story while not really kind of forcing this. This is who he is, and going through his military history. It's like quick flashbacks. Exactly, and the actors do such a good job too, yeah. portraying the flashback another time in their life, right? So. Yeah, I'm I'm excited big time. And I, we've said this numerous times about the Netflix series is that you know these these are they're great, they're awesome, they have good storytelling, and but that's just what it is, right? And you know Luke Cage is dropping soon. Yeah, and like I'm you fo- said, they're filming uh, we were Iron, Iron Fist. Fist right now. Right? Yeah. yeah, and so there's a couple more images of that drop, so check that out nice. online. The the actor that portrays Luke Cage, yeah. Michael Coltier, he was supposed to be at the Calgary Expo this weekend, right. but dropped out. And I'm thinking a lot of these guys drop out because of production conflicts. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, what's filming right now? Iron Fist, right. who's missing from the Calgary Expo. Mr. Luke Cage. Mr. Luke Cage. Yeah. Could we be, you know, seeing some sort of crossover oh, there? Oh, yeah. Iron Fist and Power Man, Oh, yeah. Right? They're, they're just a package, right? Those two. So I'm hoping that that is a bit of a hint towards maybe something's going on. Yeah. I might be reading into it way too much. Probably am. But. Maybe, but that, that makes a lot of sense, though, right? The scheduling kind of all lines up. Like you yeah. said, and he did drop out last minute, and they don't just drop out because they're they have a cold. And no, it's something, yeah, something exactly. pretty big. So yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty cool. It's just it's so cool. I'm so excited that we got Punisher in the in the MCU. Yeah, you know, with the right actor doing it, we finally got someone that can actually have the has the, the proper acting chops. Yeah, to exactly. Um, the Punisher. And you believe everything he says. Like, yeah. You believe that he is like, he thinks that he's right by killing people. Exactly. Right? You know, that's that's the difference between, you almost call that, I don't know if you want to call that psychopathic or whatever, but like he thinks he's right. So is he actually a villain when he thinks, you know, in his head, what I'm doing is the right thing. I'm yes. killing these people. And like that that line, right? Yeah. I'm killing them. I'm like, when I hit them, they stay down. When yes. you hit them, they get back exactly. up. Exactly. And, and you know, and it's so believable, that court scene. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen this, I don't know what you're doing. Season two, Daredevil, go yeah. watch it. But that court scene, where he that's kind of what you're talking about like you find out that he really believes what he's doing is the yeah. right thing and there's there's nothing wrong with it love it so civil war dropped internationally so we've been able to avoid spoilers yes yeah so it's mm. been people have been pretty it's been good tough about though it. it's been a little tough yeah you have yeah. to avoid some websites yeah but and if you know i'm not going out hunting and typing in civil war or anything to google <laughs> yeah. but people have been pretty good you know there's a couple websites that talk you know on the periphery about the end credit scene yeah. and avoided those yeah. but luckily no one's putting anything like hulk shows up at the end or yeah, anything like that exactly. and I, I don't know anything so if that actually turns out to be true that's not a yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen it yet <laughs> so people have been pretty good and i've been really happy about that because like as soon as basically drops in north america i'm gonna say by sunday there's gonna be stuff Everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. And it's going to be impossible to avoid. But its international haul was $200 million in its opening weekend internationally. So that sets it 14th all-time for international openings, and that's without China. Wow. So China's usually good for between 50 and $100 million opening weekend. So you could probably put this, peg this around, you know. This is looking and playing a lot like Avengers Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. And I think because of the good word of mouth, because H. Ultron, again, I liked a lot. Yep. And it was something that didn't get the same praise that Avengers did. No. So I'm assuming that because this, you know, everything that I've heard is that this is an incredible movie. Yeah. And I think that good word of mouth is going to push this over the Age of Ultron. Definitely. Definitely. Because yeah, I thought Age of Ultron was actually really good. And you know, the weird thing is a lot of people think, okay, well... Because Age of Ultron wasn't as good as Avengers, you yeah. kind of think, well, it's a bad movie. But that's not the case. It's a very good movie. Yeah. It's just not as good It's as more Avengers. of a comic book movie than Winter Soldier was. Yes. Because even Guardians of the Galaxy, yes, it is It is very comic book-esque. Yeah. But it's more, it plays more like a space opera. 
yeah. more like a Star Wars. Yes, exactly. Whereas Winter Soldier, again, plays more like a the spy thriller. Yeah, yeah, as the opposed, spiller, yep. yeah, as opposed to a comic book movie, where I thought Age of Ultron was a comic book movie. It was Joss Whedon going in and taking splash pages from comic mm-hmm. books and really just saying, "This here it is. This yeah. is a comic book movie. Definitely. And definitely. I think that's maybe what people were taking aback a bit right. was the fact that you know, this was, I felt like it was flying off the page at me. Yeah. That's again, <laughs> you know, even Cap with the motorcycle scene when he yeah. was on there and he throws it off in the in the woods or wherever they are. Yeah, it's, it's a good movie. I still like it. Yeah, it's yeah. good. So, are you still comfortable with your two hundred five, two ten yes, prediction? Yes, I'm sitting there. Given I'm our on lock, yeah, two hundred five, two ten. <laughs> we locked them in last week, so yeah. we can't go anywhere because now we have the international number, so we know how it's playing. Mm-hmm. And so, Avengers: Age of Ultron did two hundred and one, so it's one million dollars behind. Right. And these aren't finalized numbers, but anyways, it's basically the same as Age of Ultron internationally. Yeah. And so that Age of Ultron domestically did one ninety one. Yes. And so you're still comfortable with your yeah? Oh yeah, because we got we got the guy in the red. Spinning those webs, yeah. Spider-Man. So this is going to play again, like a lot like an Avengers movie. <clears throat> having Spider-Man, having Doc Panther, having awesome word of mouth. It'd be interesting to see. I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be, I'm just going to say, interesting to see yeah. the bump that it actually gets from that. From, say, an Age of Ultron. So it's not going to play like a Captain America movie. No. And that's very clear by the numbers. Yeah. So will it actually do better? And I think it's going to. Yeah. I think it's going to. Yeah. So those predictions we had. So I said 202. You said between 205 and 210. Yes. That puts it fourth all time. Yeah, at Domestic box office. Huge. And that will put Marvel having like three. three of the top five grossing or domestic opening weekends of all time. Which is Avengers, Age of Ultron, and then... Iron Man 3. And Iron then, Man 3. So that's, that's actually four. four of the top yeah. six. Wow. <laughs> and Disney. then Disney at the top has yeah. Stars of Force Awakens, oh, right? Oh, my goodness. So out of the top five... Already, they have four of the top five, That's and then incredible. they'll have five of the top six wow. Disney. And again, some of those were at Paramount or whatever when they right. were actually filmed, but now they're all owned by Disney. So it's pretty <laughs> do, crazy to see. Do we know, is there Rotten Tomatoes scoring yet on yeah, there? Yeah, so or? it's 94%. That's good. And I looked at it last night. I think it's 94. And it had like almost 100 reviews behind it. Wow. So that's you get a large enough spectrum and a large enough uh, sample size group to actually say, yes, this is... Because usually at the start, you'll get people saying, it's really good, it's really good, it'll be 100%, but you yep. look down and there's like 10 reviews. Yeah. So you have enough sample size, enough population actually going in and reviewing this to say that, yes, this is going to be a 90-plus percent well, Rotten Tomatoes movie. Fantastic. As opposed to Batman for Superman's yeah. now 27% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. And this isn't Disney paying off the critics to be like, hey, yeah. give me a score of 94, because that's just not the case. So no. anybody out there thinking, because there's that rumor going around that... Disney with, and that's just terrible. Well, and yeah. you know, at the end of the day, like I'm sure these, some of these guys will take money, but I'm sure most of them have integrity. I think so. And yeah. yes, there will be some built-in bias because Marvel Studios, in particular, has such a good track record. Yeah. And were people going after DC a bit more? Mm-hmm. Maybe, but that to me would translate into a 60% Rotten Tomatoes yeah. or whatever. That's right. And <laughs> yeah, <that's> well, <laughs> well, we're hammering at DC right now. <laughs> Again, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's just one of those things that yeah. it keeps. I, I don't want to keep doing it. So, you know, let's talk a bit about some of the DC Cinematic Universe slight chaos that we're getting. Yeah, right okay, now. sounds good. And then maybe the final Batman vs Superman box office verdict because mm-hmm. we're coming to the end of its run. It's been five or seven weeks in theaters, yeah. and we're kind of trickling towards the end of its domestic run right. and its global haul. So until it comes look... back in three months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the rated R three hour yeah. edition cut. <laughs> so it was reported a couple of days ago that Seth Graham Smith. He's the, going to be the director of The Flash, and this would have been his directorial debut. Right. He's departed The Flash movie, citing creative differences 
with WB and DC or whatever the the governing body is there. Mm -hmm. So with this new slate of movies, this is the first director to depart. Mm -hmm. It's not something unusual. We had the Patty Jenkins departed from Thor. Edgar Wright departed from Ant-Man. Actually, I think uh, the original director for Wonder Woman departed. You're right. Yeah. yeah, Yes, yes, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and was replaced by Patty Jenkins. Yes, yes. Again, citing creative differences. Exactly. So a lot of this might be built into, and I think this is why Edgar Wright left Ant-Man, was DC has this this formula or this goal of what they're trying to get at. Mm -hmm. And if the movie is too far out there or doesn't fit in or there needs particular ties to the universe to make it more cohesive and flow towards an endgame, I think that's where people or maybe directors are having issues with WB and the fact that they can't tell the story they want to tell without having these constraints. And I think Joss Whedon suffered a bit from that from Age of Ultron. In some of the post-interviews he did, he says, there's very specific things that Marvel Studios said that had to be in there and you have to kind of work around things. And so it was a lot of give and take. Like, I really want to do this scene with Hawkeye, but you have to have this Thor stuff in there. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, if you don't put the Thor stuff in, you don't get the the Hawkeye farm scene. Or That's right. And who didn't want the hot tub, hot tub Thor machine yeah. scene in there? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. So what do you think? You know, Flash is still far out there. It's yeah. March 16th, 2018. Okay. So it's got years yet until this thing actually gets off the ground and gets yeah. into production. At least another year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had his first cameo. The, so the actor is fully on board. Yeah. And we saw him in Batman vs. Superman. Are you worried about Flash already? Even though we're um, already starting to see the seeds of doubt put into this yeah, thing? Yeah, I'm not too worried for a couple of reasons. One, um, I think the director, he's not... I don't want to criticize the director by any means, but I don't think he's even that big. I think he did like Abraham yeah. Lincoln killer vampire thing. yeah you know so it's, it's nothing crazy i think dc needs to go after some bigger directors yeah. especially you know they have a lot to live up to because we have a, a small tv show right now called the flash that's incredible it's killing it on the cw it's an incredible show and i think they have a lot writing on that movie um i think they got to go big or go home they got to grab a, a bigger director and, and just kill it but i think they're okay for timing and this yeah. happens like you mentioned it happens all over not just warner brothers it happens no. in plenty of other different studios so i'm not too too worried i just hope the next move they make is the right decision and the right director do they go with something more formulaic for flash do they say we're going to take a director that we know is more i'm going to say a yes man yeah. a guy that they're going to lay a script in front of and just say just produce a movie that gets you from point a to point B with some laughs, some action, and some good CGI. Do they need to just get a few of these out and get people seeing them and people enjoying them? Right. As opposed to trying to tell a story that's so different or that it's you know getting sidetracked by continuity or something like that. Do they need to just get a couple of these out just to get people on board with the movies? Yeah, it's tough to see because uh, or to say because I guess it's so far ahead still. Like We still don't know how Suicide Squad's going to be. No. We still don't know how Wonder Woman's going to be or um, Justice League part one so we don't know um let's say how how much is riding on this movie i i think they do need someone i'm not gonna say uh, james gunn but you know james gunn took gardens of the galaxy and did something completely different yeah. you know and it's really cool it worked for that uh studio and i kind of think um wb dc needs the same kind of thing they need their own flavor in yeah. these other uh movies within this universe who's their captain america though who is someone that they could take yeah. and say have a small like captain america it's it's the first go it only made like 170 million dollars domestically yeah. right so not a big haul compared to winter soldier which made over 300 mm-hmm. and then now civil war which is going to be on a whole other scale definitely and yes you have input from different characters and all that yeah. and you have iron man and spider-man in there fine but who are they going to take? Is Aquaman or is Flash the one they're going to take from you know a smaller B-level character yeah. 
as far as movies go. Right. And then progress him through a storyline where you actually change the character, develop the character, and actually make him the centerpiece of your universe, right? Is there yeah. I know you've got the the Holy Trinity and stuff like that. Yeah. And Marvel, I guess in a sense has that, but originally the pet the man on the pedestal was Iron Man. Exactly. And we saw this seismic shift after Winter Soldier right. to Captain America. And yeah. that, you go and ask people Three years ago, in 2011, when Cap came out, who's your favorite Avenger? Iron Man. Yeah. Hulk. Yeah. And then, you know, you get then, some people saying Thor yeah. or whatever. And then you get people saying, well, Spider-Man. Well, Spider-Man's not actually part of this universe. And yeah. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have gotten anyone saying Cap. Cap. But now you go around and, you know, the whole thing, hashtag Cap or yeah. Team Cap, hashtag Team Iron Kids Man. Kids have the toy shields all over the place now. And everyone, a lot of people I see are a hashtag Team oh, yeah. Cap, right? Me, me included. Yeah. I'm yeah. Right I got a pin and everything for the expo. <laughs> But it's interesting to see, is there going to be a character in the DC Cinematic Universe that has that massive progression, this big upswing, and now becomes the new pedestal character? I'm hoping, I know you said they have the Holy Trinity, but I'm really hoping it's Wonder Woman. I really yeah. hope they take that character. She's kind of an unknown Gal Gadot, and they take her and just dive deep into that her mythos, because there's so much they can do past and present. She's a rich, rich character, and I think they also have the fact that she's a woman. That could be even bigger and better. Yeah. Uh, but if it's not Wonder Woman, I really hope it's Aquaman. Aquaman's yeah. been the laughing stock for years. Yeah, talking to fishes, you know, uh, entourage. Right? <laughs> I think if they if they can nail either Wonder Woman or um, Aquaman, I think they're in good hands. And James James Wan, yeah. is it the director? If he stays on that project, um, I think Aquaman could be just great. Just yeah, because there's rumors again going around that he was a bit shaky, yeah. but he kind of clarified via his, via his Twitter account. That he's been doing the Conjuring two, yeah. he hasn't been around much, and he's kind of like, "Come on, guys! Like, I'm, I'm still here." Still here. <laughs> so there's a picture of him behind a, an Aquaman yeah, portrait. That's cool, yeah, the comic one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was pretty cool to see that he's kind of, "I'm still on board. I'm still here, guys. Yeah. I'm doing my thing. Just leave it. We're good. We're yeah. good. Don't worry about it." And, and he's exactly what I, what we need. I think is someone that's a lot different than um, Zack Snyder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, so even with Aquaman, it would it would be good for him to take similar to what a James Gunn did is is maybe Aquaman doesn't have that same bounds because it's set in, say, the ocean or whatever. Exactly. And you don't have those same bounds to continuity that you would, say, on surface. Right. And then what, what James Gunn with Guardian of the Galaxy is, he didn't have that continuity to worry about. He had a few things he had to work in about Infinity Stones and Thanos and stuff like that yeah. that, again, fit that universe. But he could really do whatever he wanted because anything he did didn't really have any effect on the Earthbound continuity. Right. And doing something like that with Aquaman is very possible. Perfect. Where you have the whole story set underwater, something very different than we've seen before, yeah. right? I don't want to see Aquaman coming to surface. No, not often at all. No, no. and no. I'm not a big reader, and yeah. I haven't read really any stories of Aquaman. But how cool the CG and developing something because the scene in the water was really cool, That's and cool. what you could do with light and textures yeah. and tones and all that in a movie. Exactly, you could do something very different. So, so. cool. It, it, I kind of get these little visions. Uh, I hate to go back to the prequels here, but you know when they are they're Naboo and they go underwater. Yeah. This, this huge universe underwater. How cool would that be to see in this day and age with yeah. an Aquaman? I think it'd and just be incredible. I can't really even think of a movie that's really explored that like recently in depth. No, I think one of the Avatar movies is going to do that, which will probably look incredible. Right. Yeah. And if they can do that with this, be the first pioneers into, say, a water-bound... The whole movie is set underwater. Exactly. Like our, the DC uh, Finding Dory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Live action. Live say. action. Well, that's the thing. DC has these great characters like um, Green Lantern. Do yeah. a movie all in space. Yeah. Because that's the best part of that whole movie yeah. was when they're on, uh, uh, anyways, the, the corpse place. Whatever. Not my world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sanjay, this is why you need to be here. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, they have that. Uh, going back to Wonder Woman, you know, her origins now is more with the Greek mythology. So you can go to Mount Olympus and all that kind of cool stuff. And then going back to Aquaman, you have the whole ocean. Yeah. So 
So we've been talking a lot about the DC Cinematic Universe. Yeah. There's worries from or reports saying that you know Warner Brothers is at odds with Snyder now. Yeah. And there's all this stuff about Flash and Aquaman. And it's clearly a situation where you have a studio that's worried about what they're banking on to be this massive franchise going forward. Yes. And so you can see why there's chaos and they're tweaking things and they're pulling things around. You can, I do not envy Zack Snyder's position right now. No. I'm assuming they had some sort of direction they were going. Yeah. And they've kind of started to swing on that. What do we need to change to change the audience reception of Justice League? It's kind of been classic DC lately since they've started this universe. Yeah. It's like they got a vision and then they jump the gun and go somewhere else. Yeah. And it's just they can't keep their, keep their feet in the ground. And, you know. So yeah. Batman vs. Superman's domestic tally. So we're looking at pretty much the end of their run. Mm-hmm. It's going to be done after this weekend pretty mm-hmm. much. So it's pulled in about $325 million domestically mm-hmm. and $537 million internationally for a cum of $862 globally. Okay. Which is pretty good. You know, they've made money. It yeah. puts its seventh largest comic book movie of all time globally and 11th domestically. So tell me, when you first went into this, mm-hmm. would you have expected those numbers? Because Man of Steel took in 668 globally and 291 million domestically. Okay. So what you're looking at here is that Batman, Wonder Woman, and Tease of the Justice League only gives a $35 million bump. To this movie, yeah. above, over and above Man of Steel. <laughs> so it's not really what I would have expected. No. And I know we bang on a lot about this, but mm-hmm. it's just interesting to see how this movie's progressed because there's so much hype behind yeah. it. And I know we've kind of just beat this thing like a dead <laughs> horse, but it's worth talking about because it's it's worth understanding the pitfalls of going certain directions with things. Yeah. And like I said before, we're all in favor of these comic book movies and we want to see these things successful absolutely all of them pissing on the same because we can or because we have a form to do so or because i'm a marvel fan or whatever it's i think it's worth talking about this sort of stuff because it allows us to to understand what the next steps are and like i know we're not making this and we're not contributing to this in any sort of way but again this is a similar thought process that i'm imagining the directors are going through the producers are going the through the executives yeah. the investors so yeah. it's all everyone's doing this is everyone's thinking this through how can this not only be more profitable but more well received because at the end of the day yes this thing's going to be profitable it's, yeah. let's say that they had a budget of 450 million dollars including marketing yeah. this thing made like 400 million bucks yeah you know you can't turn your nose up at 400 million bucks <laughs> yeah. it's not 800 million or whatever they actually wanted yeah. but it's still a success in that sense that it's profitable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say where it lands on the failure end is its critical reception, not only from the actual critics, but from fans themselves. They wanted to make something that people loved yeah. and people adored, and they didn't quite get there. It's it's really hard <laughs> to sit here and tear apart someone's work. And I know I've said that before. And this is, I, I swear, this is going to be one of the last times that I actually talk about this movie for quite some time. Because yeah. I feel, I'm, I'm getting sick of hearing myself yes. talk about yes. it. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to keep pissing on this franchise and that. Mm-hmm. But my closing remarks here yeah. are going to be is that I hope that they take what fans have, have expressed to them. Yeah. And they, they really take that almost personally and produce something that, you know, that they're not only proud of as far as, the amount of money it makes, but that they're also proud of to put out there and say, here it is, right? right? This is what we want our movies to be. And maybe that's what Suicide Squad is going to be. Maybe that's Wonder Woman is going to be. Wait and see. But 
from this point on, Tim is done talking <laughs> Batman vs Superman <laughs> because you guys can stop listening if I keep banging on with this. <laughs> Uh, do you have any closing thoughts on Batman vs uh, Superman? No, I just all I can say is you know I had I had extremely high hopes for this film. I'm a, I'm a DC Marvel anime fanboy, video games, I love it all. I love all this stuff, and um, I just I just hope they um they, they just have a direction from here on in and they a vision that they can stick to. Yeah. And um, I just I want to see Superman done right. Superman's an incredible hero, and I just like to see him have a little more focus um, brought towards him. I thought he was handled very well in Man of Steel. I love that movie. It's one of my top ten superhero movies of all time. And going forward, I'd just like to see them execute him and continue with Batman. Batman's great. I have no problems with him. Um, I like what they've done with Wonder Woman. So I'm all good to go from here. It's the editing. My my biggest problem is just the editing on that film. That's really it. It's the editing. Yeah. I'd like to say I agree, but I said I wasn't going to talk about it. <laughs> We're closing that chapter here in the Nerd Room. B versus S is now in the archives. Yeah. We'll bring it up again when we talk Wonder Woman or whatever, or right. the next time that we get some sort of slate chaos news. Yeah. But I'm done bashing it. It's it's on the shelf. The, the next March movie madness, maybe. We'll yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So let's jump into our weekly segment yeah. that we like to call Star Wars Talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can't leave an episode behind no without a little bit of Star Wars Talk. No way. This week is Star Wars Week. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Civil War Week, actually. <laughs> But it's been dubbed, it went from a single day, so May the 4th, May the 4th be with you, is now a celebrated holiday amongst us Star Wars collectors and enthusiasts. Yeah. It's something that was only kind of really, it was coined, I think, in 1979 in some newspaper or something. But it really became a thing only within the last couple of years. Between 2011, there's something in Toronto, and then 2013, after... Disney had bought Lucasfilm in right. 2012. Yeah. They started really promoting this as a day to celebrate Star Wars. Nice. And not only as a day to celebrate Star Wars, but as a day for them to cut prices and make a whole bunch of money. <laughs> Would you say um, May the 4th is bigger than Life Day from the Star Wars Christmas special? <laughs> <laughs> Sweet reference. <laughs> I think merchandise-wise, yes. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's pretty cool because... Disney stores right now, for this whole week now, it's went from a single day to now a whole week event. And so they're having online sales. They have sales. I was there on Sunday, and they have some pretty cool sales on on some of the Elite Series. They're knocked down to 20 bucks. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, so there's really... I um, I actually meant to pick up a Poe Dameron, but I forgot. I'm finally going to pull the trigger on that just as a completist, just to have it. Oh, they have the Poe Dameron for the Elite Series? Yeah. Cool. Is he in the jacket, or is he in the... Yeah, he's in the the, um, X-Wing... Cool. Uh, okay. Nice. So, and he's his face is again like the other ones. It's oh, a little it is. messed yeah. up. Little you know, I'm not a fan of the black series Poe face, anyways. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, so they have those on sale. They've got all sorts of in store deals going on. I was there with my daughter, and they kind of had a Star Wars story time thing going on. Cool. And so that was really cool to see. And they had the she was up there coloring and coloring Star Wars stuff. And they just have this atmosphere of Star Wars about them for this whole week. And That's so cool. And then on Wednesday, which is I think May the fourth, they have. The prototype Boba Fett. I almost said Iron Man. <laughs> the, Boba Fett, the prototype Boba Fett. So it's the all-white Boba Fett in the Elite Series. The yeah. die cast is going on sale. It's going to this again, this limited draw. Oh, boy. And my wife again. I know I've said this before, yeah. but she is a champ. Yeah, she's that's gonna go, awesome. She's going to go brave the crowds yeah. and get in there and try to snag a, a Boba Fett for me. Nice. And otherwise, it's going to be very difficult to find. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, check out your local Disney stores, even the online stuff. Yeah. And again, come Wednesday... 
I'm probably just going to throw on Star Wars just in the background while nice. I edit a bit and just have it there. It's a day to kind of reflect and appreciate Star Wars. Right. I feel like we do that every single week. Yeah, hiya. <laughs> but this is an excuse to do it on a Wednesday instead of a Monday. <laughs> nice. Well, I wonder then, if it's online, then I'm probably going to have to check. I'm plugging this, but Big Bag Toy Store. Yeah. They'll probably have some sales on this. Oh, definitely, stuff. yeah. Yeah, and generally well, anywhere yeah. does that. Eddie, like Dorkside Toys is another one that will have nice. certain Star Wars deals going on. Yeah. And even in the, the parks, so Disneyland and Disney World, someday we have to go down and experience it because oh, they do yeah. big they have parades and oh, they have shows man. and they'll have just a little bit extra of that kind of magic in the air nice. in the disneyland because it's star wars That's week cool. now yeah and eventually it's going to become star wars month oh yeah <laughs> star wars year and then it's just going to be this is gonna yeah we could have, oh, it's just so great and it's a it's a lot of fun actually to go to the disney store because it's you get in there and you kind of get the bit of the feels yeah. and you kind of get into it and even though some of the stuff as collectors isn't as great with the exception of maybe the elite series stuff yeah. even just for my daughter to be in there and kind of running around they've got so cool. you know all the stuffed animals and it's it's really great atmosphere so it's a really cool thing to be celebrating yeah. and people do it across the world right yeah. and it's it's, right. it's again it's another day to appreciate star wars you need yeah. to go spend a little bit of coin yeah there. <laughs> yeah absolutely that's so cool yeah so what have you been reading lately we haven't talked a bit about comic books or books or whatever that yeah. we've been actually yeah. reading in the past couple of months right. what do you what have you been checking out oh boy uh so much <laughs> uh where do i begin okay so amazing spider-man i've been keeping up with of course because i'm a, the biggest spidey guy uh the miles morales spider-man which is just titled spider-man um grayson Batman, obviously, Superman, Action Comics, Batman, Robin, Eternal, the Obi-Wan and Jeez. Anakin, <laughs> uh, Darth Vader, obviously, still. I checked out the Poe Dameron, checked out the um, Black Panther. Yeah. I was about to say Pink Panther. <laughs> Black so Panther. weird, That's weird night of the nerd Completely room. different. Right? <laughs> yeah. I feel like a little hammered, man. <laughs> Black Panther. I mean, I just kind of went back to um, the Convergence um, DC story arc, yeah. which was huge. A little confusing, and I did the um, Justice League Dark Side Wars. Nice. So, can, oh man, how do you find it? To <laughs> it's, stuff? It's, 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 it's pretty tough, but it's just you know, comics are so good right now, yeah. like, and it's not just Marvel, DC is incredible. I, I haven't checked out Image or any of that kind of stuff, but yeah, DC is just killing it, and Marvel's killing it, and Star Wars, you know, Star Wars comic books are just great right now, so fantastic. So. I'm in it right now. How about you? What are you uh, reading? Uh, well, I, I'm finding a hard time to find time to do this, yeah. And actually read like my job's getting in the way oh. of me keeping up with everything. So, if weren't for them, comic expo that just yeah. went by too. Right? <laughs> if they weren't paying me money to, that I could actually do all this stuff, I would, I'd just stop and just read comic books all day. Yeah. No, so I've been reading. So I read the Black, Black Panther. Yeah, number one. I really, really liked it. Yeah, did you like it? Yeah, but did you find that it totally ignored Secret Wars? Yes. Again? Like yes. it's the whole the whole synopsis before it, like it's kind of recaps everything. Yeah. It was all the stuff that happened during Infinity and in the incursion stuff in in all the like the Wakanda attack by Namor, yeah. the stuff by Thanos and Infinity and the death of his sister and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I was like, where like why is no one acknowledged Secret Wars? Like I was know. this just a giant event that everyone's just like Hey, we're gonna have the writers just mess around in yeah. here. And there's some great books. The one by Charles Soule that we I talked a bit about in yeah. the interview, Civil War. Yeah. Go check that out. Oh yeah. But it completely ignored everything. I was like, why is there no consequences of Secret I Wars? I know, it's it's a little frustrating. Um I did like the comic. The art I'm not completely yeah. sold on. I like what they're doing with this costume. Yeah. Where it's kind of like this extremist with the, yeah, the helmet, but, the mask. Is, yeah. But I don't like the ears. I don't like those ears. I think Panther's ears need to be like up, yeah. pointy. It's, I'm nitpicking. 
But uh, either than that, it's it's a solid one. Are you gonna are you gonna stick with this? Yeah, or? I think so. And Black Panther is again one of my favorite characters. And yeah. I think coming out of the movie, we're gonna see a lot of people shifting towards that, at least picking up this series. Definitely. And it seems very it's very well timed on Marvel's yeah. part yeah. to have the, the issue drop two or three weeks ago. Yeah. I just like to, and they're really concentrating on Wakanda. Yeah, that's and what I like. Wakanda being a character almost, yes. right? And so it's a little different than some of the stuff we've seen before. And so exploring Wakanda is something that I haven't read a ton of Black Panther stuff. A lot of his stuff in the Avengers, some of his origin stuff. And I like him as kind of this side character. Mm-hmm. And I really like what he's added to a lot of the comic books I've read even over the past three or four years. Yeah. And I'm really interested to get into, uh, I guess, straight on kind of Wakanda nation story yeah and that seems what this is very much going to be and really focused on Black Panther yeah and his lineage yeah and, and his mother or stepmother yeah or, exactly yeah is, is, is pretty cool I love the technology that's going on it's such a different world we're in too right yeah. you know normally it's war was in the skyscrapers the big city or, or Asgard but this is really cool to be just in Wakanda yeah. yeah and this kind of weird juxtaposition of like this most technologically advanced nation yeah. with almost like kind of your what you would consider like a separated or segregated African nation. Yes. Right? And yeah. so it's this kind of cool melding of completely different societies. Yeah. And yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic It's book. interesting, yeah. yeah. And I checked out this C-3PO one-shot. Oh, you explains did. his red arm. Yeah. So I'm not going to give any away any okay. spoilers because I want people to go out and actually read that because it's, it's quite a fun book. Cool. And the art's a bit shaky. It's not really my thing. Yeah. But it's telling the story and again, it's adding to this wealth the of lore, knowledge. right? And the lore, yeah, yes, in yeah. this universe. That's cool. Because this one got pushed back quite a bit. Yeah, for whatever reason, I think it was supposed to come out originally in and around The Force, Force Awakens. Awakens yeah. So yeah, we're like six months out wow. from from that or whatever. So in the comic books, it's pretty good because we have C-3PO and it's with a couple of different droids. Yeah. And so it's all this kind of droid speak and yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's cool. So and I've also been reading this book called How Star, not reading, listening to yeah. On audible.com. We don't have an Audible account or anything like that, so we can't pump anything. But, um, I've been listening to it while I'm at the gym. Yeah. It's the only time I really have to listen to Audible books right, right now. And it's called Star- How Star Wars Conquered the Universe. And it's just really chronicling from when Star Wars was conceived and the ideas that went into it all the way through. So I'm only about a couple of chapters in. But the first chapter is this: is the, the author is exploring the idea of trying to find what he called Star Wars virgins or Star Wars newbies to try to understand from an adult's perspective someone seeing Star Wars for the first time. Cool. And what they did is there was the, the Navajo who were the wind talkers during World War II. Okay. So And so it's this language. It's called Diné. And it's only spoken by several thousands of people. It's kind of this dying language. Okay. And so the Heritage Society of the Navajo decided we need to get the kids into and wanting to learn this language to keep it alive because right. eventually you know if once the elders die and this language goes away yeah. and it's because it's spoken by so few people right. and kids don't have the need to want to learn it because they're just like everyone speaks english i'm yeah. just gonna speak english so what they did was they translated star wars into this their native language today And then they did a big screening in this kind of, they're out in Arizona or New Mexico or something like that. And it's very isolated community, no movie theaters, nothing like that. They have like a Walmart and McDonald's and a few other things, kind of the staples of human life. Yeah. (laughs) But, and then they screen this in the native language and people went nuts for it. Wow. And it was really an educational thing to get kids interested in understanding the language. And then they're talking about doing other movies in the native language. And it was a really cool thing, but the author was there to try to understand what people seeing this for the first time was. But one of the things, the conclusions they came to was that 
Star Wars has touched so many people, even if, and he calls it, everyone's got a piece of Star Wars kind of code locked in their head. Yeah. And even these elders who had never really seen Star Wars or understood, and they're talking about, like, why are the stars at war? We don't really get the title. What's going on here? Why is it so fast? But even some of like these elders that were so segregated and isolated yeah. they had this concept of this these images of what the one guy called birds flying in space wow and it was the x-wing that That's... he had seen on screen once before wow and then he went and talked to people that more in like new york and that that had never seen star wars and they sat down with him and watched the movie for the first time and as they went through it the person's like oh that's that's that robot or whatever they called it oh droid that's the phone well yeah because the lights the phone company licenses the term droid from lucasfilm and it's all this how stars is just so disseminated in culture in popular culture that everyone knows so much about it and it's funny you say the universe because on star wars day last year on the iss they watched star wars (laughs) <laughs> oh my god. So it's the goodness. first time Stars was screened in space. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. That's incredible. Wow. So it's a really cool book. And then it goes, it's starting, like the chapter I'm on now is like getting right at the start. And it's talking about the early influences of your Flash Gordons yes. and your John Cars of Mars and your Buck Rogers right. and all these characters, these early serial sci fis that influenced George Lucas at a young age. Wow. And what he tried to replicate with Star Wars and how that all builds. Right. So it's a little dense. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like you get into it and it's just like Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It's really, the first couple of chapters are really about kind of this Navajo thing and then also what the universe or kind of this 1940s 30s serials that were that george lucas based yeah. a lot of this off off of and so it's a really cool book and i'd really recommend at least from the first chapters yeah. again with the the guy that's reading it it's a little dry yeah but once you get kind of past that and get into the content it's a really cool book and I'd, cool. I'd really recommend that do, do they touch i'm um, curious <clears throat> at all on the the new gods from dc um jack kirby's new gods yeah. uh orion and uh, dark side because I heard that kind of influenced uh, George Lucas a little bit with the Force and you know the son being the fa- uh, the son and the father having like a well oh, father's bad and the son's the good guy. They talk a bit heard... about some comic books that influenced oh, okay. him, yeah. and they talked about Jack Kirby stuff. Oh, cool, and a bit of Stan Lee stuff, but nothing really specific. Right. So, so I might just not okay. be there yet. Okay, because I was talking cool. like really early like 1940s, 1930s right. influences. That's, that's cool. Yeah, because so, I heard the New Gods was uh, a little bit, and Flash Gordon was a little bit of an influence on George Lucas's. Uh, creation there yeah because yeah. Darkseid kind of being the Vader and then Luke being the Oran because they're son and father so yo and I, I'm not any like I don't have a degree in literature <laughs> and I don't know about story creation and mm-hmm. building a narrative around things and so hearing this kind of stuff is really interesting because yeah. we're able to kind of see and go back like you're not going to go back like you go back and watch the Flash Gordon stuff it's you can't sit through it it's no. painful no but at the same time, it's it's nice to know that there is this old foundation that was built on as far as sci-fi stuff. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Gordon's alive! Yeah. My favorite, <laughs> favorite tag from that movie. <laughs> so we spent the majority of the weekend yeah. running around what's called our stampede grounds or kind of our, our fairgrounds. I heard it's escalated to that kind of level too. Yeah, yeah. it's humongous. Yeah. So we're at the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo this past weekend. And we, like we had mentioned before, there's all kinds of guests there. And we spent numerous days there. We're able to interview a few people, which we're going to chuck in at the end. And I want to talk a bit about our experiences at this con. Because this is the only big con that you and I attend. There's some smaller stuff locally that we go to. And you and I have never been to San Diego or experienced anything like that. Not yet. Yes. (laughs) In the future. Yeah. Sometime, hopefully. (laughs) But it's. I want to talk a bit about how we felt this kind of not only 
from our perspective, but like talking to other people, how you think this was received as far as the con. So I guess like 103,000 people passed through the gates. Wow. And this thing, like I mentioned in the previous podcast, it was 10,000 like 10 years ago. Yeah. And now we're at 103. So this is one of the biggest ones in Western Canada. That's incredible. And, or even one of the biggest ones in Canada itself. Uh-huh. So, you know, what are you, let's just talk a bit about some of your favorite parts about the expo itself. Cool. And then we'll kind of get into some of our shopping and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great experience, you know. Um, the culture, like I said before, the culture is just incredible there. The, from the cosplaying to, I think, it's the Squidditch for the Harry Potter matches. Yeah, Quidditch, yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's people uh, playing the Star Wars theme all throughout the park. Um, the, the collecting, the comics, because that's what it's all about, the comics. You can just go through these bins and bins and just dig up comics. I, I love the hunt for yeah. You know, we did that for the last hour there. Just everything. Uh, it's the least judgmental place I've ever been to. I think everyone's on the same page. Everyone's just there to just embrace the, the culture and the environment that they're in and just have a good time. That's yeah. that's actually a really, really good point about the least being the least judgmental place you've ever been. Because mm-hmm. there's people walking around in all sorts of costumes. Yes. Some, you know, with almost nothing on yeah. <laughs> and people just embracing things. Because I'm walking around and, you know, sometimes... I don't particularly hide my my nerdiness. Yeah. I've really opened that up in the last couple of years. Yeah. But I don't think I would ever have that sort of but that bravery to step out into the into the world in this costume and just own it. Yeah. But there was thousands oh, and thousands man. of people there just yeah. owning their costumes. Yeah. And the amount of time and effort that's gone into this it's thing. It's incredible. And the, the atmosphere that creates, yeah. that kind of, you know, we're not judging anyone. No. It makes everyone just feel so welcome. Yeah. And Everyone's there hunting for Funko Pops yeah. and comic books comic and, and black and series. And the guy slacks, next yeah. to you loves Star Wars as much as you do, or yeah. comic books. And it's really nice to be in a room with thousands of people, as funny as that sounds, yeah. that just have a lot of things in common with you. And yeah. it's really interesting to see that there's that many people right? that have the love and the passion to like the the cosplay was on another level oh, this year. I saw the, to, the Lady Thor and yeah. um, the Lady Loki. Oh. Oh. I wow! Saw, I saw a guy in like a twelve-foot Transformers costume. No way! Yeah, and it was like, and the, there's the Halo and the Five Hundred First Garrison was there, and they're like in the full kind of Stormtrooper regalia, and they like it was incredible. Oh, wow. But it just creates this vibe. So the Calgary Expo is four days long. The Thursday is usually kind of your opening day. Yeah. It's when you go out and hit do a little bit of shopping, get the lay of the land. I was able to meet up with Izzy, Izzy of the Izzy Nobre show. Yeah, shout out and, to Izzy. Yeah, shout out. And he also introduced me to super nice guy Dan. He's at the DXT and he's a YouTuber. Cool. Go check out his vlogs. Really cool guy. And I actually make a nice little cameo in both of their vlogs nice. this week. Go check out the Izzy Nova yeah. show and the DXT. So you had your Stanley moment. Yeah. So cameo, yeah. cameo. <laughs> Just kind of give it a little, hey, it's a nerd room. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the first time I'm showing my face. <laughs> so I was kind of like, I was a little nervous. I was like, do I really want that out there? I was like, eh, whatever, screw it. So we were able to run around there, get to lay land a bit, and do a little bit of shopping. Mm-hmm. And for con goers, this, that kind of Thursday, that opening night, I really enjoyed it because this is the first time I actually did the opening night. Usually I save till Friday, Saturday. Yeah. And because we were able to get the media passes, which allowed us to do the interviews, but also gave us access to the whole weekend. So we could kind of come and go as we pleased. Yeah. And dropping in on that Thursday, that first day, there wasn't that busy. There's no media guests there at that point, so there's no panels. But I was able to do a little bit of shopping, got to see some of the really cool stuff. Like they had that massive Lego display. Yeah. It was incredible. So the, the Calgary Builders Club or the Southern Alberta Builders Club, um, they do some fantastic stuff, and they had this massive Moss Eisley. It must have been 15 feet long, 
And it was incredible. All Lego. Incredible. Wow. And this thing, I was talking to the guy. He said this took like like hundreds of hours to build this stuff. I can only imagine. And they had like this massive Millennium Falcon. And they had a scene straight of The Force Awakens. So it was going and seeing this stuff and taking pictures of stuff without kind of being elbow to elbow, shoulder to shoulder with other people. Yeah. Like it was on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of, again, going around. I was able to pick up a few things. I got the, the Falcon Hot Topic exclusive for nice. a nice price. The Funko Pop. Yeah, it looks great. So I was really happy with that. Yep. I was able to grab a few Black Series. I got the, the Snow Trooper from The Force Awakens. It was a bit difficult to get here in Canada. So I was able to get that at retail. And so using that kind of Thursday as a jumping off yep. was really valuable to me. It's something that, again, I'd never really experienced before. And that's yep. something I wanted to pass along to you guys is if you are going to cons, try to check out that first day, right. that, that opening opening day, because you're, you're not getting the volume of people through there. And you kind of can get in there and talk to some of the vendors, yep. get an idea <laughs> of you know potential what kind of sales are going on. And then you kind of get a good look at the prices of things and, yeah. and what you can hold off to until say the Sunday when we kind of did our big bin shopping. That's right. Get your feet wet. Yeah, exactly. So, what did you get at the con? Yeah, so I um I nearly completed my um ama- well, so I'm an amazing Spider-Man. It's, it kind of goes through friendly neighborhood and amazing and what have you. But uh, Spider-Man Evolve or Die the others. So it's basically um, the transition of Spider-Man evolving. The actually I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a good lead-in. It's the kind of like the road to Spider-Man Civil War and his relationship with Tony Stark how it builds. It's an awesome, awesome read. Uh, the art's great, but I'm just missing my issue 527, Amazing Spider-Man. I just got to find that one. That's all I'm looking for. Nice. Um, I did get to get a Leia Black Series 6-inch, which is the um, Return of the Jedi. I can't remember. Yep. Bowish? I can't Yeah, remember. so I got her, which is really cool. It's a bounty hunter Leia. A bounty hunter. And I think you mentioned that never got released in Calgary or Canada. No, so wave? a lot of those later Black Series, so the original Black Series of the, the OT stuff, and it was mm-hmm. kind of the black box with the, the big open case. A lot of that, the distribution got kind of pulled because a lot of that was coming out at the same time as the Force Awakens stuff was just arriving. Oh. And so all those Black Series got cut short, their distribution in Canada in favor of all the Force Awakens stuff that was coming in like a month or two later. Right. So I guess they're worried about clearing shelves prior to the Force Awakens coming in. So we missed out on the last like one or two waves of Black Series. They may have came, but in super limited or maybe just your local comic book shop that were actually getting them. And so it was... Again, I focused in on that at the con too because I was yeah. able to pick up a Palpatine. Oh yeah, because I'm missing that. So it's again, it's it's just going in and picking and choosing these small pieces that you're missing, right? And getting yeah. them for the right price. Yeah, just building that collection. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so I got my my Leia and I got uh, my Superior Spider-Man, which is pretty cool. You can check them out on my Twitter feed actually. Um, at Troy the Boy, I did a little pose there with the Spidey. Superior. 87. Yeah, 87. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Troy the Boy, 87. Check it out. But uh, yeah, man, it, it is great. I, I just love that place. Yeah. And I, I can't wait to go next year. I'm going to attack it even harder. I know we're all going to attack it even harder. Yeah. Izzy, Baron, come down. Yeah. You know, Sanjay, we're bringing you with us. Yeah, so I know you noticed you did a little customization of the yeah. Spider-Man you got. Yeah, right? yeah. The guy's a little weight. Yeah, it gave it a little paint up. Uh, the original uh, has kind of like this bronze, kind of lens, which I'm not really pleased with because in the comics it's either like silver or white. So I went back and just kind of touched up the black lens and then gave it a white on the inside. And yeah, check it out. What are your thoughts on kind of the prices? Because I've talked a bit about in the past about these con prices, how stuff gets inflated there a bit, particularly towards the front end of the con when people are excited and you get into that kind of buying mode. Yeah. 
you know, what did you, what were your thoughts and feel on the, the actual price of the con? Yeah, the prices uh, for comic books. For, for the comic books, yeah. Like that, yeah. The, the comic books I, I thought were pretty fair yeah. for the most part. Um, the figures, some of those figures yeah. were just outrageous. $70 for a figure? Are you yeah. kidding me? And, 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 and these were like brand new. These weren't even figures that have been around for five, six, seven years. These are figures that haven't even come here yet. Yeah. If you hold on a little bit, they're going to be here for 25 bucks. Yeah. So uh, that was a little crazy. But, you know, the vendors were pretty cool. Um, you know, you can kind of swing a deal with them on, on the Sundays. So, yeah, uh, uh, pretty cool for those guys. But um, I see what they're trying to do. It's a business. They're trying to make yeah. some money. So I get it. But um, the comic prices, I thought, were pretty fair. The action figures were a little shifty. Yeah, and look, a lot with the action figures, too, because particularly well, looking at, like, the Black Series and the Marvel Legends. Yeah. And there's a couple, yeah, that were 70 bucks. One was the Black Panther from Civil War. Yeah. Again, and that was common throughout. This wasn't one guy. Yeah, right? exactly. This was pretty common. Yeah, through, it's pretty competitive. Yeah. yeah. So those those haven't hit Canada yet. They may start hitting shelves in the U.S. or wherever. But, again, it's when you're at these cons, that's my only caution with the prices is, again, I talked about this before, about kind of prepping, knowing your prices, knowing what you want to pay, and yeah. not getting wrapped up in that. Because I, I get that feeling. I got that on the Thursday. I walked in. I was like, I'm only buying this, this, and this. I'm getting it for less than this, or that's nothing. After buying my the first Funko Pop, I was like, okay, I got to buy something else. Yeah. I don't care what it is. I, gotta, <laughs> I was down there with Izzy, and he found something he was looking for. Go check it out on his vlog, yeah. Daisy No Ratio. And he found something he'd been looking for for years. And he nice. says, I don't care what it is. I'm paying for it. Nice. It doesn't matter. Good for you, man. And that's he awesome. Got, he got it for a good price. Yeah. And so it was really cool to see his reaction on his video and all that. Nice. It was a lot of fun. But again, on the Sunday, I was able to get a few things. And it's just waiting out some of the stuff and, and being sure you're ready to pay for this to put into your collection. Yeah. And, and again, I've missed, I probably have about 80% of the Black Series, oh, yeah. six inch. So I'm missing a few things, and it's at these sort of cons that you're able to go in and just pick small things yeah, up, that's just cool. infill that collection. Yeah, and I think that's what's as far as kind of waiting out some of these prices mm-hmm. is what you kind of really have to do at these cons. Yeah. So but we actually we talked to one of the, a couple of the vendors, the comic book vendors in particular, and kind of got a bit of a better understanding as far as why their prices vary so much from from con to con. And yes, they are running a business. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it a bit today, and we want to go to cons and pay no money. And get all the stuff we want, but we also want them to have the biggest guests that yeah, they can possibly get. Exactly. And those two things don't go hand in hand. Yeah. So when I actually stepped back and looked at it, I was like, "Yes, I want there to be Stanleys. Yes, I want there to be Clark Greggs. Yeah. But these guys cost a lot. My wife used to do event planning, mm-hmm. and that involved going after artists. Yeah. And these guys cost a ton of money. And yes, some of that cost is passed on to us, the ticket holders. Yeah. But it's also passed on to the vendors. Right. So some of these these slots, so these areas that they're getting at the cons are costing these guys upwards of two, three thousand bucks, depending on the size. Yeah, you got to sell a lot of comics at two bucks a comic to make up that, yeah. plus make it good enough for you to drive from wherever yeah. or bring in as far as something that this is your business, right? Right. And so I got a bit better understanding that know that some of these, not all these guys, some maybe yes, when you're talking about seventy dollar. Uh, Civil War Black Panther action figures. Yeah. yeah, they're gouging you, but they're trying to catch on something. And that's fine. That's yeah. business. That's supply and demand. Mm-hmm. But some of these guys that are have these comic book prices where they used to be two bucks and now they're three bucks and now they're four bucks an yeah. issue. And so you're getting in and around cover price for some of these older issues. Are they worth that? Sometimes no. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you have to look at this. That these guys aren't out there to kill you or no. to gouge you. They're trying to make a business. And at the same time, they're trying to bring you everything into one spot so yeah. you have this high density of quality items and stuff that you're not going to find at say 
you know, smaller comic book shops or whatever, particularly when it comes to back issues. Like yeah. I was able to pick up a good chunk of the, the Brubaker run that I'm missing. Yes. So I have it all in trade. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to go back and collect it in a single issue. And I was able to get a few key issues, including issue number 11, which is a gorgeous cover of Winter yeah. Soldier. And you picked up some Fallen Sun stuff. Yeah, I got two Fallen Suns with the original covers, which is cool. I got the Spider-Man and I got the Captain America. I did read the Spider-Man. It's fantastic, guys. Go out there and check that Fallen Sun uh, yeah. story arc, the five-part five series. Oh, no, I think as far as this is one of my favorite years. And yeah. I think a lot of it had to do with having the full weekend pass, the ability to come and go, the atmosphere and hanging out with the guys, yeah. kind of this community that we're starting to build in Calgary, this this local creator community, just hanging out and talking comics, yeah. talking collecting. It's just fantastic. And, so fun. and finding those people that to enjoy this con with yeah. is, is another part of why I really enjoyed this experience more so than other years. Because in other years, I'd gone kind of by myself mm-hmm. or, you know, you and I went with, mm-hmm. with our wives and yeah. babies a few years ago. And that's a lot of fun. But yeah. this was a completely another level. Definitely. And we went with our buddy Elliot. Yeah. And he's he's going to be on the, the podcast talking about X-Men in a couple of weeks. Cool. And he went in there and he's fully committed to this X-Men podcast <laughs> talking about comics a week before the movie comes out. So cool. And he went and bought like every single... Age of Apocalypse, oh, apocalypse and, everywhere, and the original Apocalypse runs, and he was just in there firing off. I could so not believe cool. the commitment that he went in there yeah. with, and it was just—it was really refreshing to see someone come in and be like, "Nope, these are the runs I want. I want to fill this out." He had had a lot of it in trade, and he wanted to go back and get it in That's single so issue. Cool, and so it was a lot of fun to see other people and, and just see the excitement on people's face. Oh, like you know, seeing people pick up things and be like, "I've been looking for this for years." Yeah. Just fantastic. That's so cool. I mean, I'm even seeing kids playing like patty cake with a cosplay Deadpool. Yeah. In line for pizza. And I'm like, this is just, this is what it's all about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's just so cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and no, yeah. I just, that atmosphere, it's just fantastic. Like, I just love how you put that. Like, no one's judging anyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a absolutely. safe environment. Yeah. And it's, it's, you Definitely. just be you. You don't have yeah. to go out and put on this, this, this face or anything to kind of hide that person you are. Right. If you love whatever, My Little Pony, if yeah. you love anime, it yeah. doesn't Powerpuff matter. Powerpuff Girls, I've seen it all. It's like, awesome. It was all there. <laughs> yeah. And no one, like I didn't bat an eye at anything. No. And it, no. it's just fantastic. I just love it. Yeah, it's so cool. I'm just totally pumped for 2017s. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I had an opportunity to do was go check out some panels. Yeah. And one of my favorite panels this year. So unfortunately with the expo, and almost because of its timing and placement, in kind of the, the year of production schedule when it comes to TV shows, you see a lot of people pulling out last minute because their production schedules changed. Mm-hmm. And we saw that with a lot of the Walking Dead people weren't able to make it because their production schedule changed. Mm-hmm. Some of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. people couldn't make it. Mike Coltier couldn't make it. Yeah. So had this kind of rotating wheel of different people or media guests coming into this. And because we had a few people drop out last minute, they call him Clark Gregg, yeah. who's 36 hours out from... The last shot of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3. Oh, boy. Jumps on a plane, shows up to Calgary. Oh, my goodness. On the Friday morning. He's in doing a panel. I jumped out. I took a late lunch. I was able to go down and check him out on Friday. Yeah. He's there for one day. So he did signing, panel, signing photos. Wow. Full day. Yeah, they probably paid him a fortune. Oh, yeah. But he sat and he did a absolutely fantastic That's panel. That's so cool. This guy is just so refreshing. And he's just loves the character of yeah. Coulson. 
and the fandom that's built up around this guy. Yeah. He was like a sitcom, not really doing much, independent actor. Yeah. And he talked a lot about like his progression through his career. Yeah. And this idea that he was kind of went from this background character to now the character that's in the middle of it. Yeah. And how he actually got the job. He was kind of at San Diego Comic-Con and he had done a few movies. Iron Man, Iron Man 2, right. and Thor. And Joss Whedon said, we really want you to be in this movie. Yeah. And he's like, yes, I love this. I want to be in this. And then I guess a few weeks later, Fuggy calls him and says, look, you have this scene on the helicarrier and you kind of die. But it's the reason the Avengers come together. Yeah. And he talked a lot about how this was a very definitive end when it was written. Oh. Like it was not ever planned to have a TV series spin out of Avengers wow. starring Clark, Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson. This was something that he was he was done. He was dead. Wow. Was, and I guess this, and I, and I kind of remember this on Twitter and that fandom born hashtag Coulson lives campaign. No way. Came out on the internet. Cool. And this drove the, the, the interest and Marvel hired Joss Whedon and his brother and that to write a, a pilot starring Clark Gregg that yeah. turned into now what has been renewed for the fourth season, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's incredible. So again, it was something that showed that the fans do have, although from the periphery, we do have a voice, right. a collective voice, if mm -hmm. you will, and that influences these guys and helps them understand as to what we want to see more of. And Coulson was something that we want to see more Definitely. of. So they brought him back from the dead. That's so cool. <laughs> So it was a lot of fun to hear him talk about that. And people were asking him. So most of it was he talked for a little bit, but most of it was just Q&A. Yeah. And so people standing in line and just nice. asking him whatever questions they want. And there's questions about him as far as, you know, is he afraid of dying on the show? Because a lot of TV shows this day and age aren't afraid to kill people. Yeah. You have The Walking Dead. You have Game of Thrones. Yeah. And you do see people dying on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. every mm -hmm. season. And so he's always got in the back of my head that, if they if they get me into this position, I'm going to try to find a way to squirm myself out of this. And Fire up another hashtag. Exactly. And he was, there's even some really nice banter about um, a guy dressed as Wolverine got up and said, you know, you know, if you could do anything with Fox, say, would you ever want to be with Deadpool or whatever? And you know, the mutants and Carter kind of goes, what? And they're like, a mutant. And he goes. I don't know what those are. Yeah. <laughs> Different universe. Yeah. And he's like, I know what humans are. Yeah, so that's it's, cool. It's really nice the he's banter. On the ball. That, yeah, yeah, it's really nice the banter he had going and and he there he was asked about, you know, DC. And, oh. You know, what he thinks of the DC slate. Again, these guys are very professional. He has nothing yeah. bad to say, so he's pretty stoked about Suicide Squad yeah. and he didn't really focus on the negative aspects of DC. He's really focusing on what Marvel was doing well, this kind of formula that they have that they're continuing to follow. But at times people say is it's too formulaic and they're very much the same movies, but yeah. they know kind of this balance between the tone being a bit darker, hiring kind of someone like he spoke all highly about John or John Favreau and hiring Robert Downey Jr. Cool. and the tone that he brought to the initial cinematic universe and how because he was in that initial movie yeah and so it was a lot about kind of his experiences and it was really nice to see from his perspective again yeah. being someone being on the slightly on the outside when it comes to the movies yeah and then now at the forefront of a TV series that's cool so that's, sounds like he has a lot of class with him yeah, yeah. he does yeah. and he and he spoke about how much he identifies with this character of Agent Coulson and yeah. how they're almost one in the same. That's he cool. can't distinguish the difference between yeah. himself and Agent Coulson. That's so cool. it's a lot. And just talking about the evolution of the character from yeah. Thor. He's just such a great guy. I have nothing to say. It was a fantastic panel. I was mm -hmm. glad I was able to get out and see it. He mentioned Civil War. Yeah. People are asking, are you coming back to the movie universe? Yeah. And he's played very coy there and very noncommittal. 
and he gave a lot of praise to the TV series. And this is where he's happy. This is where he wants to be. But yes, he'd like to revisit and tell his friends, cool. the Avengers, that he is alive. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something that they still are keeping through in the cinematic universe, that the Avengers that don't know he's alive. Wow. So Interesting. Yeah. Another one I went and checked out was Peter Mayhew. Yeah. The man behind Chewbacca. Yeah. And so he is a big dude. I was going to say, I was going to ask, I was, how big is this guy? Uh, he's over seven feet tall, and I got down pretty close to him at one point, and man, he's huge. Wow. And, you know, he's he's a bit older now, yeah. and he I think he lives in London, so he's traveling from quite a distance to be here. And he spoke a lot about The the Force Awakens, so a lot of people are asking, you know, what was it like being back on set of a Star Wars movie? And he just talked a lot about bringing back this nostalgic feeling. So the feelings that we got watching it was the feeling that he got making it. Cool. And he talked a lot about how he's really proud of the, the aspect that these new characters that they're bringing in, these new actors, are really relying on these the older generation to help them bridge that gap. So yeah. asking them for advice. So this new guy that's playing the, the Chewbacca yeah. that's moving around is really relying on Peter Mayhew a lot to develop the character. You know, his little twitches, yeah. his, his emotions and how he moves and, and how he lumbers around. And so he spoke a lot about how the crew really came together. Yeah. And it was this, like we had mentioned before, this real passing the torch. But that was nice to hear from someone that was in the mix of it. Someone that's actually doing the passing of the yeah. torch. And so he spoke a lot about you know Chewbacca, some interesting facts. So I guess the Millennium Falcon, he said, when he came on the new one in The Force Awakens, he could not tell the difference. Yes, it had been 40 years or whatever it had been. Yeah. But he said they'd done such a great job recreating it. He's like, I feel like they, they never changed this. They just never took wow. the set down. And he said, because he's so tall, too, I guess, I guess they had to cut out the, the bottom where his feet go oh. because, so that his feet stuck out the front because I guess they had built it, not assuming there was going to be a seven-foot man in there. Yeah. So he said if you, in the original, the original Millennium Falcon, if you had gone around the front corner, you could see two Wookiee feet poking out. That's hilarious. Yeah, so he was a lot of fun and he spoke a lot. One of the cool questions that was asked is, you know, why didn't Chewbacca get a medal at the end of A New Hope? Yeah. And so he kind of shone a little light. I don't know how serious he was at this, but he basically said that there wasn't enough gold to make a medal big enough for Chewbacca. So that's kind of his joking answer. <laughs> and so the other answer was Leia, Carrie Fisher, wasn't tall enough to put a medal around Chewbacca's neck. Oh, <laughs> she has something against this guy. <laughs> yeah, so that was always... I think they gave him a medal at some point in some ceremony. Somewhere. Yeah. Not in the movie universe or anything like that, but they gave him some official medal. So <laughs> it was it was really cool. And you spoke a bit about how he actually got the job of Chewbacca. Yeah, interesting. Okay. So he, I guess he had... had auditioned and David Prowess was offered who played Darth Vader Darth was Vader. offered yeah. the job with Chewbacca originally and he wanted something different. I think he's a bodybuilder, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah. And so I guess Peter Mayhew walked into George Lewis' office for kind of this interview or whatever. He sat down and he said, the best thing I ever did for my career was stand up in front of George Lucas. Because as soon as George Lucas saw how tall I was, he turned around and said to his producer, I think we found our guy. Wow. <laughs> so That's incredible. Cool. It, was, it was really cool. And he said 20 minutes after that, he was in the costume shop getting fitted for the Chewbacca costume. Nice. So Nice. And then the big one that was able to attend, the big panel, oh, yeah. was Stanley. Stan the man. So his final appearance in Calgary in Western Canada He's kind of ending his con circuit in Canada, at least. And it was just so great to get out and see him one last time. This guy commands an audience. I bet. He is hilarious. Yeah. And he's because he's 93, 94, he can't understand what's coming out of the microphone. Oh, so yeah. the guy that was moderating had to lean over and tell him the questions. And you can still hear their mics a bit. So one guy asked, can you do your true believers line? And the oh, yeah. guy asked him that, and the guy Stanley goes, 
I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, it was, it was just great. And, like, he just played off the audience so well. And That's hilarious. There was so many big pops for Stan Lee. Yeah. Standing ovation when he came oh, out. Standing man. ovation when he left. That's great. He talked about the origin of Spider-Man oh, and how he man. wanted to bring a new type of superhero yeah. with problems, a teenager. Relatable, eh? Yeah, relatable. Yeah. Not just an ordinary kid. He was talking a lot about... When you're writing, and I took this more as when you're creating something, is you really got to figure out what you want to create before you create it. Yeah. And you have to love what you're producing, what yeah. you're making. When it boils down to it, if you don't like what you're doing, yeah. don't expect other people to like exactly. it. Exactly. Produce something that you love, and then there's a good chance that other people will love it too. They'll have the similar taste. So he was laying down a lot of this kind of philosophical or more of this advice to people that are trying to create comic books. A lot of people ask him, how do you do it? How did you create Marvel? How did you do this? And he was just like, I loved what I was doing. Yeah. So he was a lot of That's fun. Cool. And it was, it was really great to see him. And people were asking him again about Batman vs Superman. Oh. Just, I haven't seen oh. it yet. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the other things that was really funny that he did was he's on this personal crusade. And this is something I've wondered for a long time. It's comic books to you. One or two words. Oh, I would say one, but I think I, when I actually type it out, I put it as two. But so, in my head, it's one word. So he was he went on a little bit of a rant talking yeah. about comic book as we know them, as yeah. like the the physical Captain America, or whatever, is one word. Cool. This is as he defines yeah. it. Because a comic space book is a funny book, right? Like on the back of the old newspaper. Yeah, the funnies or whatever. Yeah. So he's on this personal crusade to say that no comic book is one word, and I've always struggled. I don't know if it's one word or two words. Yeah. This. It's one word for me now. Yeah, Stanley I'm, I'm said it. He's laid yeah, okay. it down. That's it. Cool, cool. I'll start to... Yeah, I'm on that now. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Stan says it then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. You gotta do it. Yeah. If he says it, we will do yeah. it. <laughs> so that kind of brings us towards the end here of our con-going experience at Calgary Comic Entertainment Expo. We have a couple interviews that I'm going to put in here at the end of the episode. The first one's going to be by a concept artist that goes by the name of John Jang. And he was really, really cool. And like I said at the top, he's done some awesome concept artwork. Oh, very he's, talented. Yeah, eh? he's featured wow. in the art of Marvel's Avengers and a bunch of those other books that do like the art of. And he's brought some of these iconic scenes. So the scene of Iron Man going up with a nuke through the wormhole, this is the guy behind it. Oh, man. And he's just got some absolutely gorgeous stuff. So I had some time to talk to him about how he produces his art, how he brings it from kind of a comic book to more of a realistic look. Mm. And then the second interview that we were able to do was with Charles Soule. This guy is just a true master of his craft. And he was fantastic to interview. Very, very willing to talk about almost anything. So yeah. we talked a lot about Star Wars, nice. and Civil War, and his creator-owned series, Letter 44, which, again, if you haven't ever read that, it's kind of this weird melding of like a political and a science fiction book. Yeah. And so the, the premise is basically the president gets... Actually, you know what? I'm just going to leave it at that because <laughs> you'll, <get laughs> you'll get in the interview. Yeah. So, and he did Daredevil since yeah, he's, he knew he's the doing the Daredevil. ongoing Daredevil and he's doing the, all the ongoing Inhuman stuff. Yeah. And he's the only writer to actually write in all three Star Wars eras. So he's written in the with he wrote Lando, which is in the OT. Yeah, he wrote Obi Wan and uh, yeah, Obi Wan and Anakin, Anakin. Yeah, which is in the uh, prequel. Prequels. And he's writing Poe, which is in the the Force Awakens. My man, timeline. that's awesome. And yeah. so he spoke. We talked a bit about that and how he approaches different things. Again, he's one of these first guys that are crafting the. Force Awakens timeline. Yeah. And so we talked a bit about that and how he feels this responsibility and this pressure to produce something that, because he grew up with all this stuff too. Yeah. 
again, just want to thank both those guys for making the time for us yeah, much and, and giving us a little more insight into the comic book world, into the creation world that maybe we wouldn't have get normally. Yeah, add to that experience. So we're here at the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo with concept artist John Jang. We're just in front of his booth here, and he's got some absolutely gorgeous artwork. Can you speak a bit about how you come up with this and how you produce this actual artwork? Are you, you know, penciling a lot, painting? So, yeah, it's a combination of a lot of different things. I kind of always believe that the approach of, like, kind of sticking to one medium is, it's cool. Like, you know, I, I often kind of say when you're in art school, and even when I was in art school, you kind of learn certain mediums like gouache and watercolor, and you kind of become experts at those things. I think, but that's kind of the sort of, like, learning process. You're kind of, you know, learning those particular mediums and trying to get a good handle on them. And then at some point, you kind of have to say, what is it that I want to do in that particular piece? And now it's utilizing, for me, I utilize all my wide variety of tools, you know, my wide variety of skill sets to kind of come up with whatever look, whatever feel and tone I want to, you know, get. So I will do a lot of tr traditional sort of like pencil drafting and, you know, watercolors, gouache, whatever that may be, but I'll mix it in with a lot of digital painting and 3D modeling and, you know, whatever it kind of takes, to again, to get the overall effect that I want at the end of the day. So you've contributed to some of the biggest comic book movies of all time, including The Avengers, Winter Soldier, Iron Man 2. Can you talk a bit about how you take characters from the comic book and bring them into this more realistic kind of art form as far as being portrayed in the films? I love these characters, and so to some degree, I kind of know these characters. You know, that's it's one of those things where it's not like foreign territory to me. So, you know, just on that you know, sort of notion alone. I think that, you know, anyone who's kind of, you know, involved in these films, I think it's always great to kind of understand where the source material has come from and stuff. You know, and also based on my sort of uh, sort of interpretations of a lot of these characters in my personal art too, is that I, I always try to understand what the spirit of the characters are, you know, where they come from, what are the sort of like visual cues that I know resonated with me and also resonates with, you know, the fans of, of the Marvel Universe and, you know, whatever that may be. When I'm doing the, the work for the films, it's, I kind of take the same approach. It's reinterpret these things into a more feasible sort of cinematic approach, cinematic look and feel that feels like it is believable, feels like it, it, it can exist in that universe, but still has that the heart and the soul of the original characters and stuff so that we recognize what those characters are we still love those characters but again they fit into a larger visual language that is not anomalous and kind of feels like it all makes sense and stuff perfect is there any particular comic book artist that you've taken inspiration from when bringing these characters to film you know comic book artists specifically I, you know, my art is derived from, you know, from my personal art style is derived from a lot of different things, you know, Renaissance art, you know, Impressionistic art. I love graffiti. I love Western comic books, obviously, anime, and I kind of just amalgamate a lot of that stuff into what hopefully is some sort of style at the end of the day. But, you know, in terms of like comic books and you know, in terms of American comic books, I grew up in, you know, that, that era of, of course, like I went to a comic book shop. I hadn't read comic books for a long time and for... The longest time I was looking at guys like, you know, I loved John Byrne and I loved, you know, Steve Ditko, all those guys, Neil Adams. And, you know, later on I stopped reading comic books. You got into that age where you're like, oh, maybe yeah. I'm like, it's, is it girls or comic books? You know, you know, that sort of thing. And yeah, then, you always know which one wins, right? right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then, you know, I went back into a comic book shop and I saw 
a, con- a Spider-Man cover, and it was he's all contorted and chunky webs and all that stuff. And obviously, it was a Todd McFarlane cover, and yeah. you know that drew me in. And obviously, around that time, there was like the Jim Lees and the Will Spartacios, and you know all that stuff has kind of been, you know, sort of reinforcing my love of comic books of you know the the, the sort of like the the generation in the 60s 70s and now like in the 80s and i loved all that stuff so you know yeah all those guys are kind of like the big influences on me in terms of like comic book art and stuff and you know the modern day stuff too is also really cool because i think right now there's such a a versatility and diversification of a lot of different styles that i i love that you know i love seeing that excellent so i was flipping through the art of marvel's avengers the other day and you're featured in there quite heavily, particularly with some of the climactic scenes. Can you talk a bit about the process that you went through as far as bringing you know, Iron Man up through the wormhole and some of the stuff you did with Stark Tower and the Tesseract? So that's all trying to, again, we're, we're conveying a lot of, oftentimes, what is loosely said in the script or, you know, sort of like in briefs that we're given from, you know, clients and producers and that sort of thing. And, you know, again, it's just kind of taking what we know again exists within the the language of the of the film as well as you know the broader you know universe and just trying to create stuff that you know feels like it's it's compelling you know it's like we do so many sort of like portals in the sky right but you know you know we want to make sure that you know i think what reinforces that is that it's the context of the story and you know we do have you know we do take part in that but it, it, it really is not just a portal in the sky it's what the meaning of that portal in the sky is within the context of the story that makes it something that you know is impactful and you know is overall a great movie experience a film experience so do you guys get little snippets of the script or like you said briefings as far as how you develop the art to fit into the story or what happens there it all depends. Sometimes, you know, it, it really varies between between a lot of different filmmakers. Sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's a little. And us as concept artists, we try to just help to visualize through, again, the context of the story. We're not just visualizing for visualization's sake. Again, we're trying to visualize based on the narrative. We're trying to tell the story. You know, the littlest things, even the buckles and the pockets on a character, just the way that those things are produced or the way that they look can really help kind of, the, uh, I guess, the ambiance of a character, right? You know, it, it really describes whether they're coming from a futuristic sort of world or they're coming from a worn, weathered and sort of old, distressed world, right? A lot, Even those little things, those little details mean a lot. So the latest movie that you've contributed to is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows, which is dropping in a few months. Can you talk a bit about what you contributed to in that movie? So what I can talk about now is um, I did a bunch of design work on a lot of different things. I helped heavily on all of the new Turtles looks, as well as uh, a particular baddie. Can't say maybe too much just yet, but, uh, you know, lots of Android action going on. Excellent. I think everyone out there probably knows who you're hinting at, but that's cool. That's cool. So, having contributed so much to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you must have a side in the Civil War that's coming up, dropping here in North America next week. Are you Team Cap or Team Iron Man? You've contributed to both individual solo movies as well as the big team-ups. Do you have a side? Let me just say, I hate that question. (laughs) Because philosophically, I side with Cap. Yeah. But, you know, just also just from like me and my sort of like T 
tech nerdy sort of point of view, and I've worked on Iron Man one and two, and the Avengers. I've you know contributed a bunch of work on the Hulkbuster, and you know all of those things. I, you know, kind of like Team Iron Man too. So yeah, I think everyone's struggling a little bit with what side to go on here. Yeah, so can I be non-committal? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> wait and see. Wait and see. Yeah, yeah. So, excellent. Well, it looks like your food's arrived here. <laughs> so, you know, we really appreciate you entering the nerd room and spending a little bit of time with us, giving us some insight towards the art that you're producing for not only the Cinematic movies, but for your own personal. And uh, where can everyone find you and can find your art online? So, the best way to find me is to go to www.orbitalharvest.com. And from there, you can link to my fan page, my Instagram, and all the sort of vital social media sites to kind of find my work and you know that and that sort of thing but also come out and find me at you know the various conventions and things like that uh, you know I love meeting fans face to face and that's always the the thing that kind of again feels good and resonates with me I'm always humbled to 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 find out there are people out there that appreciate my artwork and everything like that, you know, so. Yeah, and if you're at a local con and John is there, be sure to check. You cannot miss his art. It's some of the most beautiful stuff on the floor. I got to ask one last question here. Where can we expect to see you next? So I will, uh, the next few conventions I'll be at are um, the Denver Comic Con, the Philadelphia Wizard World, obviously San Diego as well. Um, and then there's a few other things that are uh, happening that, you know, I can talk about, so uh, this summer there's going to be a tribute book for the Alien 30th anniversary, which is uh, the Alien Visions book, and so I contributed a piece to that. You know, a lot of just amazing artists, Kim Kim Jung-ji and Louis Portacio and, you know, Ben Templesmith, a lot of these guys are in the book too, so I'm really honored to be a part of that, and hopefully that's going to come out in and around the time of San Diego, we'll see, but that's being produced by Fox and Udon, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, you guys can catch that and then there's a few other sort of like film things that are a little under wraps at the moment but uh you know we'll see what happens and when i can reveal i definitely will awesome well we appreciate your time here thank you very much and uh yeah we'll, we'll hopefully to see we're looking forward to seeing some more of your work soon on film and in uh full presentation thanks for having me guys yeah thanks a lot all right, so we're here at the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo with writer Charles Soule. You guys will know him from such books as Star Wars Poe Dameron. He's done Death of Wolverine. He's writing his own creator-owned series called Letter 44 for Oni Press. He's also contributed to Marvel's mega event, Secret Wars, the Civil War book inside of it. Charles, how are you enjoying the con and your visit to Calgary? Uh, it's been fantastic. Calgary this is my first time in Calgary. Uh, my first time in Alberta, my first time in the western part of Canada, and it's beautiful out here. It's really nice, and the people have been just wonderful. Lots of great fans, lots of meeting people I haven't met before, so no complaints at all. You've contributed a lot already to this new Star Wars canon, this new Star Wars extended universe, and clearly you're a fan. Can you talk a bit about kind of some of these more recent books, particularly Poe Dameron, and uh, being the first kind of creator to be diving into the Force Awakens timeline, what sort of kind of creative constraints do you have? And as well as where do you see kind of these characters going uh, in the near future? Right, well, Phil Noto and I are, Phil Noto does the art on the book. He does an incredible job. We were, we were very fortunate that we got to start to work, work on this book last summer, so before the movie came out. So we actually got to go out to Lucasfilm in San Francisco and sort of learn about the movie ahead of time, which was the most mind-blowing day you can imagine because it's been under this incredible cloak of secrecy forever. And then we go, and then it's like, all right, you guys are doing this. Here's what's happening in the movie. Here's the character. Here's Poe. So that was wild. Um, as far as writing a, a chapter that's designed to fit into the new canon, the new continuity, it's very, 
it's really challenging in part because Poe is not a finished character because he's got episodes eight and nine to to really finish defining him. And so whatever we do needs to not sort of zig where he should have zagged or that kind of thing. If if you'll if you forgive the metaphor. So, and we also need to make a, a fun, entertaining adventure that feels like Poe Dameron did in Force Awakens. So, not the easiest gig in the world, but one of the most fun for sure. Um, I think we've done a, a good job of, of crafting something, a story that's going to feel familiar to Star Wars fans. Uh, it's going to feel like Poe is there. He certainly looks like Poe because Phil can draw Oscar Isaac really well. We love Star Wars immensely. We've been paying attention to it since we were really little kids. It feels like our entire childhood was sort of homework or, or a big thesis project preparing us to do these books so the uh the new poe book has been great i'm doing the obi-wan and anakin book which is set during the prequels and then i did the lando book was set which was set during the original trilogy era so i'm it, so far i'm the only star wars writer who's done something in in all three trilogy eras which is quite an honor quite a responsibility uh and I'm, i just feel really lucky to be able to do it yeah, so speaking of that, do you approach the different eras differently, having, you know, grown up with Star Wars and then seen the, the prequels at a different time in your life and now with The Force Awakens? Yeah, I, absolutely. They have very different feels to me. I think that the, like, the structure of the, of the galaxy, the Star Wars galaxy, is very different in those three movies. I mean, it's, it's a galaxy at war in the original trilogy. It is, it is sort of a galaxy at war in the prequels, but not really. I mean, it's, you know, you see the starting, you see the end of the war, but not, you know, it's, it's, it's more about a the fall of an, of, of, an, of an institution, of a republic, than it is about a, a world at war, or a galaxy at war. And then the new stuff, it just feels very fresh. Like, we don't even really know what it is yet, even though we've seen one of the movies, like the, the ultimate kind of state of the galaxy and how it's all going to play out and what the real, who the real players are, like who Snoke is, what he wants, what Luke is up to, what he wants. Like, all of that is still very much in the dark right now. So it just, it's really neat to be contributing in, in, in this small way to, to that big, new, fresh feel to the Star Wars universe. Are you guys keeping track of Poe as he goes through other forms of written medium, particularly books and that, or is that something that Lucasfilm is in charge of? Uh, well, Lucasfilm has something called the Story Group, whose job it is to make sure all of the different storytelling across the Star Wars galaxy, or universe rather, is consistent. So that's video games, movies, TV, uh, novels, and comics. And that's even like young readers, but like everything. Every storytelling has to sort of work. And so they tend to give us guidance if we need it, if we're doing something that's going to go in a way that somebody else is going to hit in their in their own storytelling or something that is planned that we don't necessarily know about. So there have certainly been notes that feel like, oh, wow, I guess they must be doing something somewhere else. So that's why we can't tell this particular part of storytelling. But they're never really like, I don't know, mean is the wrong word, but they're not like trying to, trying to step on the stories. They want all of the stories to be as amazing as possible. And so it's our job to just kind of navigate between the notes and, and find a good one. Wow. Got some artwork dropped in front of us here. I did. I did from the wonderful Ryan Stegman, who have, I have had the uh, the honor of working with on a whole bunch of issues. So he drew me uh, a nice commission. He's a, he's a good man, that Ryan Stegman. Having spent you know quite a bit of time in Star Wars Universe already, can we expect you to jump into another era, say the Rogue One era, going forward? There's been some books recently announced. Yeah, I you know I. Um, the Rogue One era is fascinating to me because it's it's in one of the the big unexplored zones of Star Wars storytelling. One of them is the the time between Episode One and Episode Two. I'm getting to tell the Obi Wan story set in that period, which has been really fulfilling because it's kind of wide open. Nobody's told any stories there, so I can not do whatever I want. But there's a lot of things available to me. Uh, and the Rogue One era between three and four is also pretty wide open. There hasn't been a lot of storytelling done there, so who knows what I'll be doing in the future? But I would certainly love to work on that or. You know, honestly, any part of the Star Wars universe is is a really great, fun, awesome job, and I, I hope I get to stay in it for a long time to come. 
So filling some of those time gaps in between the movies and that, are, do you take any inspiration from some of the EU stuff that's been produced in the past? Or are you kind of going at this from your own angles? Um, I, I read and, and experienced a lot of that EU stuff because I've, you know, I've been a Star Wars fan long before I was a Star Wars creator. There are a lot of really cool ideas in the EU, like a ton of cool ideas in the EU stuff. And the general idea or, or plan behind utilizing EU material is really, you know, a great idea is a great idea, and if there's a good way or a good reason to bring something in, it's it's kind of okay. I mean, it depends. It, it's really very idea-dependent, but um, I know for sure there's at least one EU idea uh, that I'm probably going to put in something somewhere, um, but I can't, I, you know, I can't get any more specific than that. But honestly, they... Um, we're all aware that there's a lot of great stories that were told in the Legends era. You know, Coruscant itself, like the name of the capital city, was was yep. was part of the Legends, and now it's you know it, it's become the name of the capital city. So, who knows? Who knows what'll happen in the future? But uh, I don't think it'll ever be a full like like everything is not going to be re-embraced back into the into the the main canon. But you know, bits and pieces here and there might show up again. We'll see. Excellent. So let's jump over to Marvel a bit, where, you, again, you've been spending quite a bit of time writing The Inhumans and multiple different series, including The Death of Wolverine, Daredevil, and some really great stuff there. So you recently did a take on Civil War in Star or in Marvel's mega Secret Wars event. Can you speak a bit about what it's like writing and continuing on a story without really the bounds of continuity? Oh, that, that Civil War story was was really super fun. I mean, it took, it took me a little while to figure out how I was going to tell a sort of a sequel to Civil War because it has such a such a definitive ending that that had so many effects on the Marvel Universe in so many different ways and so figuring out how to tell a story that would work was challenging but then I came up with the idea of, of very simple the war in this continuity the war never ended and so it's, it's what would happen to the United States after five or six years of war and in the story the whole United States has been sort of split down the middle uh, Captain America holds the western US Iron Man holds the eastern United States and they gear up so it's like an actual civil war all the normal people are involved and everything like that too and it builds up to this gigantic superhero conflict battle that's you know ends the ends the series so I think Mark Miller and Stephen Niven made a really rich universe when they did it and it was it was just neat to to take that point in Marvel Universe history and, and fast forward five years to see where everybody would be and you know, come up with new concepts for the way the characters might interact, what sides they might be on, how they would look, um, and Lanil Yu like drew the hell out of it, so it was great. That was one of my favorite portions of that whole Secret Wars event. I was clamoring for more of that story. Yeah, you know, there's I, you know, I'd love to do more someday if, if it makes sense. I know the book did well, uh, people liked it, but I think the focus right now on Marvel, as and as it should be, is Civil War Two, yeah. which is coming out this summer from Brian Bennis and Dave Marquez, uh, and that's gonna, you know, that's the incontinuity Civil War that we're gonna see. And I, I mean, I'm privileged to know quite a bit about that event and be writing a big Inhuman story that's gonna be part of it. And uh, it's super cool. It's enormous. Really big things are gonna happen. Uh, and I'm like, as a Marvel fan, I'm very excited for it. And as a Marvel writer working on the Inhuman story for it, I'm also excited for that too. Yeah. And we got the movie dropping here in North America next week. Have you seen it? I've not seen it yet. Uh, I see it on Tuesday at the, the Marvel screening in New York City. I live in New York, which makes it convenient for me to go to some of that stuff. So uh, I'm super excited. Friends of mine have seen it and they loved it. So I am hopeful that I will be just as in love with it. Yeah. Could I? Do you have a? Do you have a side team cap, team Iron Man? Oh, not really. I mean, I I just like good stories. I mean, yeah. it's you know, sides they're they're fictional characters, but I uh, <laughs> but I I think it's going to be a very interesting movie to see how they how they take the conflict in the from the comic and translate it into 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is a very different place than the Marvel Universe comic universe was back in 2006. So I can't wait to see it. Just can't wait. Uh, so quickly here, last question. Okay. We discuss a bit about your creator-owned series, Letter Forty Four. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. It's I like I said, I grabbed the first issue when it first dropped, and this is something I've kept up with. Can you talk a bit about kind of this melding of two totally different themes here—a political and a science fiction—and sure. how you kind of came up with that initially. Well, I'm I'm an attorney when I'm not uh, writing comics, and so I've always been fascinated by the law and government and presidents in particular. I think they're very interesting people. Anybody who would want to run a nation, especially a nation like the United States, kind of has some, maybe has some things wrong with their wiring. And sometimes we get great ones, sometimes we get terrifying ones. And so, so I've always really thought presidents are interesting, and so I thought telling a story where a president was the main, basically the main character could be very compelling. Um, and I've also always loved uh, space travel, real-world space travel, NASA and astronauts and all of that, space race. And so the germ of the story was, was when the last American space shuttle launch went up. And I thought that was very sad that the USA, uh, I'm American, which I'm, people probably figured out by now, um, didn't, that, that the USA didn't have a, like a space program of the same type anymore. Like we kind of lost our focus on exploration and, you know, the big epic gestures that had characterized the, the race to the moon and a lot of the things we did in the earlier the space program. So I was, I was walking on the beach in New Jersey. I was there for New Year's. Um, so it was very cold. I don't know why I was walking on the beach in New Jersey, but on New Year's Day, but I was. And I had an idea of, you know, what would get us back into space if we had, you know, if we had to go fast again like we did back in the 60s to get up to the moon. And I thought, well, if we discovered aliens up there, that would probably push us to go. You know, and then I, I, I thought, well, that could work really nicely with the idea of writing a book about a president because what would a president think or do? What would be the choices they would make? Uh, if they knew there were aliens up there, how would they approach next steps? So the two things just seemed to go together, like chocolate and peanut butter, whatever you want to say. And then I started outlining it, and almost the entire story popped into my head, and I knew I had something. It felt like solid gold when I came up with it. It felt like this is a real winner. And fortunately, it seems to have been borne out. People, it's got a very fervent fan base, which is very gratifying. And uh, I've been really happy that it looks like I'm going to get to tell the story the whole way, the way I want to. It's going to go to issue 35, which is the way we've planned. Um, it's been published now in, I think, six different countries. It's been picked up for option by TV. Um, it was an official selection at Angoulême in France this year. You know, blah, blah, blah. It's, I've, I've really been, I couldn't be happier with the way Letter 44 has been received, and it's a real passion project for myself and for Alberto Jimenez Albuquerque, who's the other, the artist on it, the other guy that I work with to make, to bring it to the world, so... So you mentioned it's been picked up for development on TV, and that's with Sci-Fi, correct? Yes, correct. Uh huh. Yeah. And so, can you speak a little bit about how that development is going, and when we should expect to see this on TV? Right. Well, there's not a ton to say other than it is going. When projects are picked up for development, they they spin and spin and spin, and then if you're lucky, the stars align in just the right way, and and all of the sort of the, the locked doors between an option and and the TV open at once, and it sort of goes through. So there are still a lot of locked doors between now and then seeing it on our TV screens, but believe me, I would I would love it for that to happen just as much as you would. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm sure I share the sentiment with a lot of people that we're really looking forward to the conclusion of the series, as well as potentially seeing this on TV. Yeah, well, thanks so much. Yeah, well, Charles, thank you very much for entering the Nerd Room, and we really appreciate you giving us the time here to talk about some of the books, and uh, where, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, the easiest place is Twitter. I'm just at Charles Soul. Um, I'm on Facebook as well, and then I have a website at charlessoul.com. So any of those places, you can track me down. Excellent. Well, again, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed those interviews, and it kind of shone a little light on a few different aspects 
of the comic book world. And hopefully in the future, we get to carry on with some of these interviews. Definitely. This weekend coming up, we have Free Comic Book Day yeah. on Saturday, first yeah. Saturday of May. May 7th, right? Yeah. yeah. So we're going to be down at Alpha Comics oh, yeah. in Calgary here. Can't and wait. We're going to be waiting in line. I think they open at 9 a.m. They'll mm-hmm. open until 5. And then you just go through and you get your free comic book. There's the Civil War II prelude. Yeah. And I believe there's a few other really key books on the DC side. I'm not quite sure what they are. And I think there's usually two from Marvel. And again, it's a nice place to go and talk comic books with yeah. people that are like-minded. And it's really fun to go out. Go out and support the local comic book shops because they pay actually for these comic books and give them to you for free. Definitely, yeah. And it's nice to go out and support these guys and check out what else. Usually they have sales going on. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the comic experience doesn't have to start, stop at the expo. You know, go to your comic book, your local comic book shop every day if you can. Or every Wednesday, that's when the new releases come out. And just support these guys, man. It's, it's great content they have out there. And we got, in a couple days, when this episode drops yeah. on Thursday, we will hopefully be sitting down. Yep. You know, hopefully everyone is down in front of us. Yeah, but be on time. Yeah. <laughs> to see Civil War. Yeah. We're super pumped for it. Can we come wait. at you with... A review next week it's going to be exclusively about Captain America Civil War yep. go back and check out episode number 19 if you haven't yet so we talk a lot about the comic book that the Civil War movies adapted from we make a few predictions again I'm going to warn you spoilers if you haven't listened to it already or maybe wait until you've seen the movie to go back and revisit it yep. we do talk a lot about it, but the influences of the movie and hopefully we'll be able to see if some of our predictions came true yeah I think Spider-Man's going to live just saying yeah. <laughs> uh, well, bit of beer that he does. <laughs> anyway, so if you guys want to get a hold of us, our Twitter handle is at the end of the episode. You can always grab us at hashtag enter the nerd room. Mm-hmm. Fire think... those questions at us. Yes, yes. As always, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure for the nerd room. I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering the nerd room. Okay, we tried this last week. Sanjay Man. Hello? Sanjay? Sanjay's alive? Yeah, Hashtag Sanjay lives. <laughs> it's good. I always say hi to everyone. We're kind of at the end of the episode. <laughs> you're kind of in hello, the last... last hello, you're... end of episode. <laughs> you got three minutes to describe how your Congoing experience was and what you've been doing for the last four weeks, five weeks, however long you've been absent for. <laughs> what I have been doing in the last five weeks? That's a loaded question. What haven't I been doing? Well, besides the podcast. <laughs> Why don't you um, come on an episode? You know, I don't think I could live up to the high standards set. You know, I just kind of fanboy out, and it just wouldn't make a lot of sense. You're, you're that you're that glue, though. You're yeah. the Agent Coulson of the Nerd Room podcast. Absolutely. Speaking of Agent Coulson, did you guys wander out on what was it Friday and see him at the expo? Yeah, if you listen to the episode, you'll hear all about that. <laughs> <laughs> I completely i'm completely in the dark in terms of everything related to tim and troy these days <laughs> so sanjay why don't you just give us a little close out here because we've been really missing that lately yeah <laughs> what a time to be alive i mean civil war coming out you know like mother's day to what? sunday yeah <laughs> what's that mother's day to sunday as well yeah, well, oh, yeah. you know, you go to Mother's Day, you bring your moms or, you know, bring them to Captain America. And what better way to celebrate your mom than to bring them to a movie oh, yeah. about two best friends fighting? <laughs> <laughs>
Or the Mother's Day movie that kind of bombed over the weekend, actually. They should just throw Julia Roberts in there, and then they would have went. <laughs> yeah. Well, Julia Roberts is in it, but, I mean, shoot, I'll be there. <laughs> so, so I'm going to I'm gonna have to listen to the episode, see, you know, what you guys thought of the cause, see what you guys thought. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, When can yeah. we expect you back, man? Um, I'll be coming back after my exam. You know, it's kind of like Superman at the end of Batman v Superman. Spoiler alert. <laughs> You know, I've been I've been crushed by Doomsday, also known as this exam, but I will rise again. But until that time, listen to the sound of my voice as we close up the episode. <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Just hung up on us. Oh, all right, guys, we are out. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. You can find our host, Tim, Sunday, and Troy on Twitter at TheNerdRM1912Podcasting and Troy, the boy 87 <laughs> <laughs>